Let's just pray a minute, can we? Father, we still our hearts before you. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's your word we want to hear, Father. It's the move of your spirit in our hearts that we long for. Speak to us clearly, Lord. Change hearts this morning, Father, by the power of your Spirit. And take us to the place you want us to be in. In Jesus' name. Isn't it easy to play church? What do I mean? We come to a building. Our expectations down there. We sing the songs with the right words. We lift our hands at the right time. We might say the occasional hallelujah or praise the Lord. We say the prayers, we listen to the word and we walk out the same as we walked in and we haven't met with God. It's possible. It's possible. Because you see, when we meet with God, something happens, amen? Everybody who met with Jesus, something happened. It was either for the good because they were changed or it was for the bad because their hearts became hardened. Do you remember the story of Lazarus? You read that story and some people said they saw the miracle, they saw the glory. And there were the same people, other people that had seen the same thing went off to see how they could capture Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You see, when God speaks, one or two things will happen. Our hearts will either change or our hearts will harden because we have to respond to the word of God. Amen? There is no sin on the fence. We might think we can sit on the fence when God speaks to us. We can't. God said to the children of Israel, he said to us in the book of Hebrews, do not harden your hearts as the children of Israel did in the wilderness. Why did the children of Israel harden their hearts? Because God spoke to them. And the only way they could deal with the words of God was to harden their heart. God says, don't harden your heart. Do you know what God's saying to us as a church this morning? He's saying, I want you to go deeper. We look at the world. We listen to the news. We look around us and we say, Lord, it's getting worse. Lord, it's getting darker. Lord, it's getting more evil. And God says, yes, but what about my church? What about my bride? Is my bride getting more glorious? Is my bride becoming more full of light? Is my bride moving in my spirit? Is my bride letting me prepare her?
for my coming. And do you know where that starts? It doesn't start with the church. It starts here. It starts here. And I believe God is challenging us at Beacon. David, you weigh this. The leaders, you weigh this. I believe at Beacon we are at a crossroads and God's speaking to us and God's speaking to us and God's speaking to us and he wants to take us on but we have the choice. God will never go against our will. And God, I believe, is saying to us, folk at Beacon, you're at a crossroads. Do you want to go deeper or do you want to stay where you are? If we want to go deeper, there's a cost, folks. There's a cost. Do you know what the cost is? Everything. How much do we want to go deeper? That's the cost. And God says you can stay at the crossroads, you can stay where you are, I'll still love you, I'll still bless you, I'll still speak to you, I'll still meet with you, but you won't change. But God says, go on with me, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. And you'll see the unbelievers coming in. And being touched by my love and glory. You'll see the sick coming in and being healed. You'll see the broken hearted being changed. But there's a cost. And it costs us everything. Are we prepared for that? It's a serious question. I thank the leadership for the privilege of being able to ask the Lord for a word to bring. And I've sat in the service this morning, I've just felt a sense of this word being so important. You weigh it. You weigh it. You weigh it. But when I asked the Lord for what to bring, the Lord gave me two phrases that I'm going to share with you. And they fit in exactly with what's been coming through the service this morning. Thank you, Julian, for that worship. We'll be looking at a few verses in Genesis that I want to springboard these two thoughts, but I believe there are two thoughts that are on God's heart for us this morning. And here's an important question that ties in with everything I've been saying so far. Where are we? Where are we? You know, if it wasn't me in the context of standing here to share God's word and someone had just come up and just literally said, where are we? I think everybody in this room would have said, that's easy. We're sitting in Briary School Hall. We're in Greenhill, Home Bay. That question's easy. I can answer that. No problem. Then comes the next question. Where have you come from? Oh, that's easy as well. Well, if it was me, I'd say I came from home, Mickleborough Hill, 93 Mickleborough Hill. I came from home, that's where I've come from. Easy. We could all answer that easy, couldn't we? And if somebody said to us, well, where are you going? I'm sure all of us could pretty much answer that easy. Well, I'm going home for dinner, or I'm going to see my friends, I'm going to see my family. 
We'd know where we come from, we know where we are, we know where we're going. Isn't that true? What if we ask that same question in the Spirit? What if we ask that same question in our journey with the Lord? You see, the moment we became a believer, God says, you are starting a journey. We'll be listening to Abraham, what he has to say in a minute. Abraham started a journey, didn't he? He was going from there to there. He started a journey. Every believer, when they become a Christian, starts a journey and God says, this is your starting place and this is where I want you to be before you come to be with me in heaven. Do you hear that? God says, this is your starting place and this is where I want you to be before you come to me in glory in heaven. Well, if we're on a journey... The question is, where are we? Where are we spiritually right now in our journey with God? Where have we come from in our journey with God? We'll be thinking about that in a minute. And more importantly, where are we going? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13 is just a few verses. The context is that in Genesis 12, God's called Abraham to leave Haran. And Abraham's left Haran, he's heading towards Canaan. And when we read this bit that we're going to in a minute, the context is that Abraham, or Abram, is actually in the land of Canaan. He left Haran to go to the land of Canaan. When we read the verses, Abraham's in the land of Canaan. And the context is this. It's only a few verses we'll be looking at. The context is this. God so blessed Abraham and so blessed Lot. The flocks have so increased, there was strife between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen. We know the story well. And Abraham says, and I love this, he says to Lot, you choose. <laughs> I love that. Lot, if you want to go that way, I'll go that way. And if you want to go that way, I'll go that way. I love that. Abraham's confidence was so in God, he didn't mind which way Lot chose. Isn't that wonderful? And we know the story well that Lot said, okay, and he looked and thought, well, that doesn't look so good over there. That looks a lot better over there. I'll go that way. And that's the way he went. And this is where we come in to these verses. So Lot has just separated himself from Abraham. And this is where we come in. Just a few verses at the end of 13, and it's starting with verse 14. So this is after Abraham, after, sorry, after Lot has left Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you will see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. In a certain sense, we could say that God was encouraging Abraham to take stock of where he was. We've heard that phrase, haven't we? Let's, 
let's just sit down a minute and take stock of where we are. Let's put that into our Christian walk with God. Let's just stop for a minute and take stock of where we are in our Christian walk with God. You know, when we do that, we do exactly what I was saying earlier, don't we? We look back, we look where we are, and we look forward. Isn't that what taking stock's all about? We look back, we look where we are, and we look forward. I want to concentrate just for a few minutes on this looking back in our Christian life. And the thing that's on my heart to share is about lost ground. Ground that we may have lost during our walk with the Lord. What do I mean by that? Well, when we look back, it might be that there are victories that we once knew that we're now no longer walking in. Lost ground. It might be that we had a sensitivity to God's voice that we no longer find we have lost ground. It might be, as I said earlier, that we have an expectation or had an expectation and an excitement of God that we no longer have lost ground. It might be that we once moved in a particular gift of the Spirit that we no longer frequently move in, lost ground. We could consider lots of things under the heading of lost ground, but God has given me just one thing to share, and here's the first important phrase. And it's this, to do with lost ground. First love. First love. You know, when we hear the phrase first love, we could easily in our minds jump to the book of Revelation and think, oh, I know where that phrase comes from. It comes from God was speaking to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 and he says to the church of Ephesus, well, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. But I have this one thing against you. You have lost your first love. Now, I want to say right up front, I don't get any sense that God's saying that to you and I in that sense at all. But this is what I do get a sense of, that God's coming alongside us to encourage us, to encourage us to consider, have I lost my first love with him? You know, I became a Christian when I was 16. And I'll never forget this, maybe a few days, a couple of weeks, I don't know, after I became a Christian, I've been to town where I was living. And from town to home was about a two or three mile walk. And I was at least a good mile from home and it was absolutely tipping down with rain and I was completely soaked and guess what? I didn't care. Do you know why I didn't care? First love. I was in love with Jesus. I knew his presence. I knew his peace. I knew his love. I was in love with Jesus. First love. Do you know what I used to do in those early days as a Christian, both on my own and with my Christian friends? I loved to pray. Why did I love to pray? To be with him. To sense his presence. First love. Where are we with our first love? It might be some of us here are Christians, and it could be that you're saying in your heart right now, I've never experienced first love. I came a Christian and it's been fine. But I never experienced first love. 
There could be others who are saying, well, I've experienced first love and I can really say I'm walking in that first love right now. But I want to suggest there are people here this morning and you've stepped outside of first love. Something's missing. You see, when we lose first love, we sing the hymns, we raise the hands, we say the prayers, we witness, we read the Bible, but something is missing. Because God wants us walking continually in first love with him, amen? It's not first love that lasts for five minutes and goes, not with God. It's not first love that lasts for a week or a month or a year or ten years, not with God. God says, I want you to constantly walk in first love with me. Are we walking in first love? You say, what is first love, a feeling? No. Oh, we can feel it. And it's wonderful when we feel it, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful when we feel it, but feelings change. We all know that. First love isn't a feeling. It can manifest as a feeling, but it isn't a feeling. I want to very briefly tell you about three accounts in the Gospels. We won't turn to them because of time. You know the stories well. But out of these three stories, we will get three different indicators that will indicate to you and me if we're walking in first love. Amen? They'll be like a plumb line, if you like. You know, a plumb line, you wallpaper in. Before you wallpaper, you put a plumb line up to make sure that when you put up that first strip of wallpaper, it's straight. And without the plumb line, you can't tell. Well, these are going to be indicators that will act like a plumb line. And God will say to you and me, use these indicators to ask the question, am I walking in first love? The first account we get in John chapter 4, and it's the Samaritan lady, who we know really, really well. Wonderful story. And she comes midday or whenever it was on her own to the well with a water jar or a water pot or a container, whatever it was, to get water. We know the story. She has an encounter with Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, don't we need encounters with Jesus? When was the last time you had a real encounter with Jesus? I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm not talking about an emotional experience. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that changes us. Listen, if it doesn't change us, it wasn't God. You cannot meet with God and not be changed. It's impossible. Can't be done. When Moses met God at the burning bush, he changed, didn't he? When Gideon met the angel, the angel of the Lord, he changed, didn't he? You can't meet with God and not change. It's impossible. And this woman had an encounter with Jesus and there's a lovely little verse. If you read the story when you get home, you'll see this little verse. She met with Jesus and it says she left her water jar and she went into the village to tell others about the one she'd met. What's the significance of that? Well, this is the significance. The lady had a priority. When she left home, her priority was to take that water jar to the well and get water for her and us. Husband, that was her priority. Guess what? She met Jesus and her priority changed. Do you see that? She had a priority, she met Jesus and her priority changed from getting water to telling others. When we have a first love relationship with Jesus, we will tell others. We can hear all the sermons for the next three years about witnessing, evangelizing and everything else. If we haven't had an encounter with Jesus, it will just be hard graft. 
have an encounter with Jesus. We will leave the water pot and tell others. First indicator of first love, there's a change of priorities. You see, you and I could walk out the building today and say, oh, I need to change my priorities. I need to get my priorities right with God. And we, for a little while, managed to change those priorities. But boy, it's hard work. Do you know why it's hard work? Because we're trying to do it in the flesh. And God says, I don't want you to do it in the flesh. Meet with me. And they will change. Automatically. There's another story in the Gospel. It's in Mark 14. Jesus, we're told, is in the house of Simon the leper. We know the story well. A lady comes with an alabaster jar. We're told this alabaster jar is worth at least, at least 300 denarii. And I looked that up and that's worth at least £16,000, if not more. If, if, if you and I put ourselves in the position of that lady who obviously didn't have much wealth, that was a lot of so she's got this jar worth £16,000 plus. That represented a huge, huge wealth to her. But she'd had an encounter with Jesus. And she comes to Jesus. And she breaks the jar. And she pours the oil over Jesus' head. Hallelujah. What's that the indicator of? First love doesn't count the cost. First love doesn't count the cost. Are we counting the cost? First love doesn't count the cost. And here's the third indicator. I'm sure there's lots more indicators. But here's the third indicator. Another well-known story. Jesus goes into the home of Mary and Martha. Another well-known story. And the story tells us that Martha... And it says this word, distracted. Martha was distracted. See, it uses the word distracted. Do you know, as Christians, we can be distracted. We can think we're doing what God wants us to do, and God's saying, hold on a minute. You're doing that for me. I don't want you doing anything for me. I want to do it through you. And if we want God to do it through us, it doesn't start with us being distracted. It starts with what Mary did, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And in the same chapter, it says, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his teaching. What's the third indicator? The third indicator is quite simply this. We want to spend time with the Lord. Three indicators. Change of priorities. Don't count the cost. We want to spend time with the Lord. Back to the original question. How's our first love with the Lord this morning? Because if it isn't there, God wants to break in on it. Hallelujah. Here's the good news. It's not bad news. It's not about feeling condemned. It's not about feeling frustrated. It's not about feeling sad. It's about being honest with God and saying, God, I've lost my first love. And I want it back. And God says, I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting for that. Will you turn to 1 John chapter 4? There's a little verse there. I want to show you the secret of first love. 
It's very, very simple. And it's very, very wonderful. And it's the secret of first love. 1 John chapter 4. One little verse. If you've got the ESV, it will say it as I'm going to read it, but I'll also read it as it says it in the New King James Version because there's one word not in the ESV that is in the New King James Version, but the verse still reads the same, whatever. 1 John 4.19, it says, We love because he first loved us. The New King James Version says, We love him because he first loved us. If you and I are not walking in first love, I want to make a little suggestion of what's happened. You see, things could have happened along the way that have robbed us from that first love, that have stolen that first love away, that have eroded that first love. But somewhere along the way, I want to suggest to you that something has happened that stops us enjoying that first love. And it's this. We've stopped enjoying God's love for us. I've stopped enjoying God's love for me. I've stopped enjoying God loving me. Because the verse quite simply says, we love him because he first loved us. Listen, there's no other way to get back into first love but except by receiving his love. Hallelujah. Oh, when God breaks upon us with his love, we're in first love. When God showers us with his love, and I'm not talking about emotional feelings, I'm talking about his word opening up to us that we're precious to him. That he's forgiven us. That he loves us. That he's got a plan for us. That he's not disappointed with us. Some folks here this morning, you feel God's disappointed with you. I want to tell you on the authority of God's word, he's not disappointed with you because he knew what you were going to do. God can never be disappointed with us. Do you know that? Why can't he be disappointed? Because to be disappointed means you have to not know what's going to happen. <laughs> have you thought of that? To be disappointed, you have to not know what's going to happen. That's why we get disappointed in ourselves, in other people, because we didn't know that was going to happen. God can't be disappointed in us. He knows everything. He knows everything. How can he be disappointed in us? He's not disappointed in you. Now, you might be disappointed in yourself. That's different. But God's not disappointed in you. It says in Romans that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts and the Lord gave me a little phrase and it was this, I believe God wants there to be an explosion of his love in our hearts. For that love that's in here to go, one. When was the last time we let God love us? When was the last time we sat in his presence and said, Lord, I've got all these things I want to pray about, all these things I want to say to you, all these things I want to ask of you, etc., 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 but Lord, please just love me. That will bring us into first love. So back to the question before we move on. Where's our first love walk with the Lord? Because if our first love walk with the Lord isn't there right now, God's saying, I want to bring you back into it. Do we believe that? I want to bring you back into it.
Do you know the thing that will make the biggest difference in Beacon Church? Is first love. First love. It's wonderful. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 13 for the second phrase. So we thought about lost ground and what we're thinking about now is where we are and looking ahead. Where we are and looking ahead. We thought about lost ground, we're now thinking about in our walk with the Lord where we are and looking ahead. And verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, and here's the second phrase the Lord has put on my heart, I believe, for us this morning. Here it is. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Let me give you a silly illustration, but hopefully this helps. Silly illustration, but bear with me. I want you to imagine for a minute this whole hall is my inheritance. This whole hall. I'm standing here. <laughs> I've come from there. I've got a long way to go, haven't I? This whole hall is my inheritance. It's been given to me. It's mine. It's mine. Now watch. What did that first bit of the verse say? Lift up your eyes. Now watch. I haven't moved. I haven't moved. Where are my eyes? They're down there. When my eyes are down there, that whole hall might be my inheritance, but I cannot see it. And guess what happens when my eyes are down there? What tends to happen while my eyes are down there is this. Do you know why I'm doing this? It's because I can't see very far. So I'm doing this. And there are Christians in this place this morning and that's what you're doing, I believe, in your walk with the Lord. You're moving, but you're going round and round and round and round and round and feeling you're not getting anywhere. Why? Your eyes are downcast. You see, when we lower our eyes, guess what we see a lot of? Me. When my eyes are downcast, Christine could be very, very close to me, but if my eyes are downcast, I'm not seeing Christine, I'm seeing me. And Jesus says, I want you to look at me. The author and the finisher of your faith. Looking unto Jesus. Why did Peter sink when he was walking towards him? He took his eyes off Jesus. Simple, isn't it? Why are we going round and round and round and round and round in circles in our spiritual walk? We've taken our eyes off the author and finisher of our faith. And the whole of this whole might be my inheritance, but guess what? All the time the eyes are lowered like that, I'm not going to enjoy my inheritance, am I? I can't. 
I'm only going to endure a small bit of it. Do you know God's given us an inheritance spiritually to enjoy before we go to be with him on this earth? God says, I put my same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in you, in me. The same spirit. The same spirit. Malcolm over there has got no more of God's spirit than I have and I've got no more of God's spirit than he has. Fred sitting there has got no more of God's spirit than I have and I've got no more of God's spirit than he has. I could go around the room and say the same and you'd say amen, 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 amen. Well, here's the question. Why are some people God using more than others? If we've all got the same spirit, why is God using some people more than others? Because some people have got their eyes downcast and other people are seeing their inheritance. And what does it say? It says, lift up your eyes and what? Look from the place where you're at. Now, hold on to this because I think this is wonderful. You see, when Abraham was in Canaan, there was in a sense where God says, lift up your eyes naturally. And by the way, he said, look north, look south, look east, look west. Why did God say to Abraham, look north, look south, look east, look west? Because he wanted Abraham to see the whole of the land of Canaan. The whole of the inheritance. This is God's inheritance for us. And God says, I want you to see all of it. And God, but there's a sense where not only did Abraham lift up his eyes naturally, but listen to this. Had Abraham at this moment of time got any descendants? Had Abraham even got an inkling that Sarah was pregnant? And yet God's saying to him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you're at and see all the land that's going to be filled with your descendants. What's that about? It's the eyes of faith. Do you know, wherever we are right now, whether we're feeling on the mountaintop, in the valley, feeling brokenhearted, feeling hurt, feeling in a mess, feeling we've failed, feeling this, feeling that. Wherever we are right now, we can always lift up our eyes of faith and look from the place we're at to see where God wants to take us. Because he's a miracle working God. Hallelujah. The Israelites came in front of the Red Sea and they said, Moses, what have you done? We wanted to stay in Egypt. The Red Sea's in front of us. We're in a worse place now than we were back then. And Moses looked at God and God says, lift up your rod. Are you facing the Red Sea? Are you seeing the Red Sea or are you seeing God? Listen to this. This is really, really important. Really important. We need to grasp this. If you and I in our hearts are saying, Lord, take me deeper. If you and I in our hearts are saying, Lord, I want to grow. If you and I in our hearts are saying, Lord, I want to be used mightily. I want to see the supernatural. I want to see the miraculous. I want to have a closer walk with you. If you and I are saying that and meaning it, God will put us in impossible situations. Why? To harm us? No. So we can see the breakthrough in him. If they'd never come across the Red Sea, they would have never experienced God opening it, would they? Are you in an impossible situation? Don't despise it. Don't despise it. But say, Lord, I want to see you in it. Taking me through it. 
We can always lift up the eyes of faith, can we not? Wherever we are. And the last bit in these verses, and with this I'm just about to close. It wasn't sufficient that God said to Abraham, lift up your eyes and see. In the next few verses, God says, and walk through the land, the length and the breadth of it. Why did God say the length and the breadth? Because God was saying, Abraham, I don't want you to walk through a bit of the inheritance. I want you to walk through it all. I want you to walk through it all. What's the difference between seeing and walking? Well, I can see what's in the distance, but I can't experience it, can I? I can see those beautiful woods in the distance, but I can see them, but I can't experience them until I'm walking through them. And God says, I don't want you to just see what's available. I want you to walk in it and experience it. I believe there's many Christians in the church, I'm talking very generally, talking very, very generally. I believe there's many Christians in the church can say, well, I've seen this and I've seen this and I've seen this out of the Word and I've seen that out of the Word. I know God does this, I know God does that and I've seen this and I've seen that and there is a sense of being thrilled and that's a good place to be. But then we stop there, don't we? And we never get to the point of experiencing it. So back to the original question, where are we? Where's our first love? Where's our eyes? Are they downcast? Are they lifted up? Are we at a stage where we're downcast with our eyes? Are we at a stage where we're just seeing but not experiencing? Or are we beginning to experience? God wants to move in our hearts. Julian, would you like to, to come? God wants to move in our hearts. He wants to bring about change, but he won't do it unless we want him to. He will never go against our will because he loves us too much. Do you want to come back into first love if you've lost that first love? Or it may be that as a Christian you say, well... I've heard all you've said, but I've never actually really experienced first love. And I will say to you, if you've never experienced first love, then the chances are you've never really experienced God's love for you. There are people here this morning and you've never, ever really experienced God's love for you. Oh yes, you believe God loves the person next to you. You believe God loves the person behind you. You believe God loves the person in front of you. But you don't believe God loves you. You don't really believe it. Oh, you believe it up here. But it hasn't changed you. It hasn't touched you. It hasn't caused your eyes to cry with joy and love. Yes, we're an emotional people. How many times in the Bible do you read of people having emotions when they met with Jesus? You can't meet with Jesus and not be emotional. He loves us. And he's calling each one of us into a deeper walk this morning. Are we going to stay where we are? Because of the cost. You see, it cost us everything. Are we going to stay where we are? 
right now if you want to keep your eyes open keep them closed I don't mind whatever you feel comfortable with but right now if you know you're not walking in first love either because you've never experienced it or because you've walked away from it just say to the Lord Lord I want that first love experience back right now tell him tell him be honest with him if you know there's something that's happened in your life that's robbed you of that first love tell him face up to it be honest tell him if you know there's something in your life that's eroding that first love nibbling away at it because it's a compromise to the best that God's got for you just tell him be honest with him see when we're honest with God God meets with us by his spirit God wants to meet with us mightily by his spirit what about those of us whose eyes are downcast and we've been going round and round you know if you've been those Christians you've been going round and round and round because everything stayed the same nothing's changed <laughs> you walk with the Lord nothing's changed it's the same sort of prayers it's the same sort of Bible readings it's the same sort of sense of his presence it's the same feeling when you come to church the same, the same, the same round, round, round and God's saying lift up your eyes and look from the place where you're at and that might mean lifting up the eyes of faith this morning. Saying, Lord, I can't get me out of this place, but you can. Hallelujah. And right now, Lord, I'm lifting up the eyes of faith and I'm looking from the place I'm at to what you've got for me. Just tell him. Father, you know everything. You know our hearts this morning, Lord. And Father, I pray for hearts that have grown cold, they'll be revitalized in you. I pray, Father, for hearts that have come a little bit hardened because of the bumps and the difficulties of life will be softened by the presence of your love. Father, may there be an explosion of love in our hearts. May our priorities change. May we not count the cost. May we want to spend time with you because of that first love. Father, move upon us by your Spirit. Father, for those that feel as though the Christian walk's been one of going round and round and round and round, Open the eyes of faith, Lord. There's a person here this morning and it's a bit like the children of Israel. They'd come across the Red Sea and they were thirsty. And they saw the water and their hearts leaped within them because they saw the water and they were thirsty. And it says they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter. Wow, that was like the good old phrase, rubbing salt in the wound. It wasn't that they were just thirsty. They were thirsty and there was water, but they couldn't drink it. You feel as though something's happened and it's been a bit like salt rubbed in the wound. 
But in that situation, God spoke to Moses and he said, Moses, do you see that tree? Throw it into the water. And the waters became sweet. The very thing that was bitter became sweet. And I believe the Lord's saying to you, I want to show you a tree. And that tree is called Calvary. It's called the finished work of Jesus. And I want you to put that tree in your situation, that finished work of Jesus in your situation and the waters that at the minute are bitter will turn sweet. There are other people here and you've been hurt. You've been hurt very deeply, but the problem is you've never let God heal that hurt. You've buried it. And you've learned to cope. You've learned to carry on with life. You've learned to walk with the Lord, but that hurt's buried, and every now and again something touches it. God says, bring it to me. You say, Lord, I can't, it's too painful. And God says, let my love dispel the pain. And the Lord would say to you, you might have known great love, hurt, but you're going to know even greater love in place of the hurt. Bring it to him. I believe the Lord would also say that there are couples here this morning. You're Christians. You both love the Lord. But there isn't the harmony between you that God desires in your home. And God says, if you want it good in the church, it's got to be good in the home. And I believe the Lord would say to you, if you know that's you, it's not that things are really bad, but it's just that they're kind of out of sync. There isn't the harmony. There isn't the oneness. And God says, come to me and pray together. Just pray together. Just pray together. Don't try and work it out. You can't. Don't try and change it. You can't. Just pray together. Just pray together. Just pray together. And as you're praying together, that harmony and peace will come into your home. There are homes here that haven't got God's peace fully on them for one reason or another. And God says, come together as husband and wife and pray and pray together and pray together and my peace will flood your home. Father, we love you because you first loved us.